I don't hear any more pages turning, so I figure everybody's, everybody's found, pretty much found Exodus chapter 17, verse 1. And all the congregation of the children of Israel journeyed from the wilderness of sin. After their journeys, according to the commandment of the Lord, and pitched in Rephidim, and there was no water for the people to drink. Wherefore the people did chide with Moses and said, Give us water that we may drink. And Moses said unto them, Why chide ye with me? Wherefore do ye tempt the Lord, and the people thirsted there for water, and the people murmured against Moses, and said, Wherefore is this that thou hast brought us out, up out of Egypt to kill us, and our children, and our cattle with thirst? And Moses cried unto the Lord, saying, What shall I do unto this people? They be almost ready to stone me. What shall I do unto this people? They be almost ready to to stone me. This morning I want to preach on the spiritual workings of a pastor and the congregation. The spiritual workings of a pastor and the congregation. See, this story of Exodus is a great story of your life and my life as a Christian. We were in bondage to Egypt, to the world, and through the Passover lamb, through the perfect Passover lamb of Jesus Christ, we're brought out of bondage and we're brought from the world, which is Egypt, and we're carried out. And we're carried out, and he's carried out, they're carried out by Moses. It says there in verse 1, and the congregation. Just like we're a congregation of believers, God's put in every congregation of believers, God's put a pastor over every congregation. And there's a spiritual working behind the scenes between a pastor and the congregation. There really is. And guys, I've got a unique perspective being up here. I've been on both sides of the fence. And some of y'all might have too if you've ever preached any at all. But I've been a, I've, I've sat in the church for years and years and years and years. For 15 to 20 years, I sat in the church. I sat under a pastor. And then the Lord called me and called me as a pastor. So I've got a unique perspective of, this, of, of how this works. And this is what happened as they got into the wilderness when God carried them out. Well, they were searching for water. There was no water. And they were getting thirsty in verse 2. It says, Wherefore the people did chide with Moses and said, Give us water that we may drink. And Moses said unto them, Why chide ye with me? Wherefore do you tempt the Lord? Now how they tempted the Lord is found at the very end of verse 7. It says at the end of verse 7, Because they tempted the Lord saying, Is the Lord among us or not? They were wondering, Hey, is the Lord in this or not? And as a pastor, when you start... Uh, start pastoring, start preaching, you have people wondering about, hey, is the Lord really in this? Is the Lord with him? Is the Lord working in this church? And they start, and you'll have people start chiding with you. Now, what's interesting about that word chide is, chide is the root word for children. In other words, it's real easy, as a congregation, it's real easy to start acting like children, start chiding about things, start getting childish about things. And that's what was going on with Moses, I've been in a church, I was pastoring down in Coleman, Texas, where the, and this is, thank God, I've got Wade, praise the Lord, as my piano player. This piano player, every sermon I preached, she would write notes all through the sermon, and after the church service, she would hand me a, the note with notes of how I can improve my preaching. <laughs> every service. I would get a, I'd, she'd have, hey, Brother Keith, and she'd hand me a note. It'd be all this, this to me, childish stuff of how I could improve my preaching. She was going to straighten me out. Thank God I've got, praise the Lord, I've got Brother Wade as my, he's never wrote me a note like that. But as a pastor, you get into stuff like that. Well, they, 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 people treat you like that. And, and we got to be careful because when I was in the pew, when I wasn't a pastor, it was real easy to get childish about things. And start wondering and start tempting the Lord. Hey, is the Lord in this? What's going on here? Let me tell you something. The Lord is in it. 
I don't care who you are, if you'll show, and I don't care who's back here preaching, if you'll show up with the right heart and expect to hear something from the Lord, you will get something from the Lord. I don't care if this preacher's right. I don't care what this preacher's been doing all week long. I don't care if this preacher's right with God or not. If you will come here expecting to hear from the Lord, the Lord will use him and use those words to speak to your heart. There's nothing more blessed to me than to be preaching along. And I see y'all, some of y'all down there, and y'all just keep on reading where I've been preaching. And y'all are reading along. In other words, you're not listening to me. You're reading what the, God, word, the word of God says. That's a blessing to me. Maybe the Lord's speaking to your heart. Maybe the Lord's showing you something before I'm, the verses I'm preaching or after the verses I'm preaching. Either way, you're getting something from the Lord. You should come in here expecting to get something from the Lord. Amen. Every Sunday. We're not in here wasting our time. I, I'm not here to waste my time. I drive uh, 40 minutes one way. I don't come up here 40 minutes one way to waste my time. I want to hear something from the Lord. When I'm preaching, I'm hearing something from the Lord. A lot of times when I'm... A lot of times y'all might think he's stepping on my toes. Man, I'm stepping on my toes way before I step on yours. And what, what goes on with the pastor is I've got to answer to the Lord for what I teach. I've got to answer to the Lord for what I preach. And I've got to be careful. And Moses here, he's saying, why are you chiding with me? Verse 3, and the people thirsted there for water and the people murmured against Moses. The second thing about being in a church is that people sometimes can murmur against the pastor. They can talk about the pastor. They can get to talking about the pastor. And that's really easy to do, amen? I Trust me. Like I said, I've been down there. I know. It's really easy to talk about the pastor. But let me, can I ask you for some uh, help with this? Can I be so bold as to say, instead of talking about the pastor behind his back, could you talk to the Lord about him? Instead of going, instead of getting on your phone and calling up another member or getting outside of the church and, well, this, that, and another, instead of talking about the pastor, because there's no pastor that's perfect, why don't you pray for your pastor? Talk to the Lord about your pastor. And I'm talking about the bad things. If the pastor's doing something or if I'm doing something that displeases you or you don't like, man, get on your knees and say, Lord, I don't like when he does that. I don't like when he says that. Speak to his heart. Straighten him up. I need your prayers. <laughs> I need you to pray and ask the Lord to work on me. Praise the Lord. Because, see, you're going to get it from here. That's why I tried to bring in the good ones from here. You remember when Brother Steve was up here and Brother Steve was, was doing that revival and Brother Steve said, I don't know how that man does that. I don't know how that does And he was pointing about me being a pastor. He goes, I couldn't be a pastor. And in my, in my calling from God, I couldn't do what he does. He travels all over the country, going to all these different churches, meeting all these different people, sleeping in all these different beds. I have no idea how he could do that. Expecting love offerings to keep him alive? I don't know how he does that. But the Lord's blessed him, amen, and he's doing it. And, and the Lord's called him to a certain ministry. And he looks at me and he goes, I don't know how you could do that. You know, one of the things that these guys, and you've got to understand, when we have revivals come in, we have these people come in, you've got to understand what's going on in some of these revivals, some of these people. They get three or four messages and sermons, and they'll preach those three or four messages, and they got three or four of them, and then they'll preach them here, and then they'll go to the next church, and they'll preach the same message there, but it's all new people, amen? So what they did is they get, they get three or four, maybe up to ten sermons, and they get really good preaching those sermons, and they get illustrations, and they know right what the illustrations they want to preach, and they don't even have to look at notes, and they got it all figured out. And that's what he means. That's what Brother Steve will tell you. When he, if you get to talk to him, that's what he'll tell you. And that's what a lot of these evangelists will tell you. They'll say, man, I don't know how the Lord can use that guy because he has to be, he's there every Sunday. 
And the Lord has to give me something every Sunday. And I've got to try to be fresh every Sunday. God, see how important it is for you to pray for me? Amen. You don't want this stuff to get dull. You don't want this stuff to get boring. We want the Lord to use me. You want, we want the Lord to use this church. We want to hear the word of God preached. So you need to be in prayer for me and for this pulpit, for this whole church. Amen. Because if, if, it's, if it's dry to you, well, then it's time for you to hit your knees and pray for the pastor. Pray for the preaching. Pray for the word of God to move. Pray for the Holy Spirit to move. And remember what I said. Some of that's going on to you, too. If you show up and you don't have the right attitude, it don't matter how good the sermon is. It don't matter how good the preaching is. You're not going to get anything out of it. Man, I've been under some good preaching, and I didn't get a dime out of it. And the reason why is because my heart wasn't in the right place. I didn't show up with the right heart. But when I show up with the right heart, man, it doesn't matter who's preaching. I get something out of it. The Lord speaks to my heart. And he says, uh, they were murmuring against Moses and, again, and said, Wherefore is this that thou hast brought us up out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our cattle with thirst? Moses brought the, Moses did all these miracles, did all this stuff for these people, and they get out in the wilderness and say, hey, Moses brought us out here to kill us. Isn't that the craziest thing you heard? But as a congregation, you can get really leery, and you start thinking, man, the pastor's out to kill me. The pastor's following me around preaching about stuff. He shouldn't know about that. See, I know y'all think that. I know you think I know something about your deep, dark secrets and I'm up here preaching, and I know something about you. Somebody's been talking behind your back. There's nobody been talking behind your back. That's the Holy Spirit. I've had women, uh, just a woman the other day come up to me and said, it's like you've been following me around all week long, listening to my conversation. And she knows I haven't. Well, who's been following? The Lord's been following you around. And I don't know what's been going on in your heart. I don't know what's going on in your life. I really don't want to know what's going on in your life. But the Lord will speak through me to you. Guys, I've had people come up to me and say, you remember when you said so-and-so and so-and-so? And And I'll go, yeah, but you know what's going on in my mind? I'm going, no. (laughs) I don't remember saying that. Well, you said that. and Man, the Lord is, I'm thinking, I don't even remember saying that. Well, it wasn't me saying it. It's the Lord saying it. And I'm telling you, I'm in here, I've witnessed it, I've seen it. I've, I can preach one thing and you hear something else. And it's exactly what God wants you to hear. And it's not what I said. But God, when it gets to your ears, God says, okay, book. And it gets to your ears and it means something totally different. And God wanted you to hear that. That's the mystery of preaching. It's amazing. I can't explain it. But that's the way the Holy Spirit moves. That's the way God has it set up. That's the way God wants it. And it, it's a great system. But you've got to follow the system, amen? And sometimes you feel like, hey, he's out to kill me. He's stepping on my toes. He's being mean to me on purpose. Nobody wants to be mean to you. The last thing I want to do is hurt your feelings. And that's the last thing I want. I don't want to know anything about you. I don't want to know your problems. Because you know what happens when I know your problems? It makes me back off. I love you too much. Makes me back off and I want to say something. Give you a perfect example. A lot of y'all know Brother Ronnie smokes. A lot of y'all know Brother Ronnie is trying to fight. He's trying to quit smoking. There's been so many times where I was going to say something about smoking and I didn't say it. You know why? Because I love Brother Ronnie more than anything. And the last thing I would want to do is hurt Brother Ronnie's feelings. And I'll be preaching along, and then in my mind, I'll think, I'm about to say something about smoking, and then I'll pull back because I love him. Guys, the Lord, one of the most amazing things is being a pastor. Maybe you don't understand. 
the Lord gives me this amazing heart for you. I love y'all guys. I don't want to love y'all guys, but I love you guys. I mean, I love y'all guys more than my own family. I've got aunts and uncles. I would do more for y'all than I do for them. They don't want to hear me say that, but it's true. I just, I, the Lord's given me such a heart, and that's what a pastor gets. He gets a heart for his people. And I love you guys. I'm not out to hurt you. I had a lady get so mad at me because I asked her, I said, I do not want to put a Christmas tree up in the church. You can have a Christmas tree at home, whatever you want to do. I, I'm not judging you. I just don't want a Christmas tree up in this church right here. And she, it was, we, were, we were outside the church when we were talking about it. She said, oh, I understand, Brother King, and I completely understand. Wednesday night rolls around. She was all happy. Wednesday night rolls around. She shows up here, and Wade was here. She flips out on me. She starts screaming at me all over a Christmas tree. You're, you're a Jehovah's Witness. She called me a Jehovah's Witness. She called me a Muslim. She called me, said I was stealing money from the church. She said I could, shouldn't be preaching because I was divorced, even though she voted me in, see, knowing all this. She just flipped out, and she left the church and never has come back. I thank the Lord for that. <laughs> I was ready. Trust me, I was like, okay, please leave, you know. She thought I was out to kill her. She literally thought I was out to get her over this one little thing. The Lord laid it in my heart. I had to, you think I wanted to do that? No, I don't want to hurt nobody. I'm not out to hurt him. Moses is not out to hurt you. Moses is doing what the Lord leads him to do. And it's your job. Your job is to pray for me. Pray for this church. Pray for each other. If you're not praying for me, you're doing yourself a disservice. You're doing yourself a disservice. If you're willing to take the time to invest into coming into this church and Lord willing, maybe give some money to this church, why in the world are you not praying for me? Amen. Thank you, brother. Why in the world are you not praying for this church? Why in the world are you not praying for these missionaries? That's your money. This is, this is yours. This belongs to you. The Lord says, this is yours. Y'all do something with it. I'm going to help you do something with it. And we're trying to do something with it. Amen. It's the best way we know how. Verse 4, And Moses cried unto the Lord, saying, What shall I do unto this people? They be almost ready to stone me. <laughs> That's the truth. They think we, everybody thinks they're out to kill him. You know, he's, he's like, man, they're all out to kill me. The people getting mad at me. I, I don't know what's going on here. And the Lord said unto Moses, Go. The Lord said to Moses, Go on before the people and take with thee of the elders of Israel. And thy rod wherewith thou shalt smote us the river, take in thine hand and go. Hey, there's something important about that verse right there. God says, Moses, you go. Listen, the pastor leads, not the deacons. The pastor should be leading the, leading the church, not the deacons. But that's the way it should be. If God's called a pastor to a church, he should be leading that church. And I don't know how many pastors come to me and the, the deacons are giving them trouble and fighting them about this, or the deacon's wife is fighting them about that. It should not, not to be that way. If God's called that man and give a calling on that man's life to lead this church or lead whatever church it is, he should be able to lead it and not have to be fighting the deacons. And God said to Moses, hey, Moses, you go. You're leading them, you go. He's got something planned. And if they will follow the man, something great's about to happen. Look at verse 6. Behold, I will stand before thee there upon the rock in Horeb, and thou shalt smite the rock, and there shall come water out of it that the people may drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. That's an amazing thing that just took place there. 
God says, Moses, come here. I'm going to stand before you on this rock. And there's a rock. He says, you take your rod. And see that rock? I want you to smite that rock. And when you hit that rock, water's going to come out for those people. Guys, you know what that's a type of? (laughs) Rock is Jesus Christ. That's what Paul said. That rock is Jesus Christ. That smiting is the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. That water flowing out is the Holy Spirit flowing out of that rock. So that pastor, Moses, is smiting that rock, preaching about the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. And when he preaches the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit moves on the people. The people have the water of God coming to them. And the Holy Spirit can come into you and work through you and quench that thirst you got for God. But it's got to come through the smiting of the rock. It's got to come through a pastor preaching the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. You know what? How many times have we heard about Jesus Christ crucified for our sins? How many times have we heard about the wonderful story of Jesus Christ? And we never get tired of it. <laughs> Ain't that amazing? It's an emotion. That's spiritually amazing right there. You think back to how many sermons you've heard preached by preachers. How many Sunday school lessons you've heard taught by teachers about Jesus Christ simply being crucified for your sins. And every time you hear it, there's something in you that says, I want it. I'm thirsty for it. I've got to hear it to be quenched. That's the smiting of the rock. The water came out of it. That the people may drink. This church has got to have Jesus Christ preached. It's got to have Jesus Christ preached crucified. And this church has got to be ready, ready to drink that water. That's that Holy Spirit coming out. That's John chapter 4. That's John chapter 7. That's those living waters coming out of the belly. That's the Holy Spirit, guys. That's what the church needs. The church needs a preacher that's preaching Jesus Christ so that the Holy Spirit can move. Man, the quickest way to quench the Holy Spirit in this church is to stop talking about Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit shows up and God shows up when His Son is glorified. I've seen it a million times in my life. And when you stop glorifying Jesus Christ, there's nothing going on there. It just dries up as a bone. Amen. You say, you go into a church and you say, Man, this church is singing the same songs we're singing. The church has got the same book we got. What's going on? What's wrong with this church? You can be guaranteed somewhere along the way they stopped preaching Jesus Christ crucified. Because I'm telling you, when you preach Jesus Christ crucified, the devil doesn't like it. He runs off. Your flesh doesn't like it. But the Holy Spirit loves it. Man, he comes in here and starts moving. He sits down. He gets in your heart. The water starts gushing forth. Because why? That rock has been smitten. Crucified. Only once. Because what happens when Moses smites the rock? It's the second time. God said, you shouldn't have done that. You're not going in the promised land. Jesus Christ has only been crucified once. I'm going to preach Jesus Christ crucified. I'm going to preach Jesus Christ crucified. And then you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to preach Jesus Christ coming back. I'm not going to preach him crucified more than once. He's been crucified for your sins. He's going to save you from hell. And now guess what? He's coming back. King of kings and Lord of lords. That's the Holy Spirit moving. That's what a pastor should do. And that's what a church should expect out of your pastor. And if you see me not doing that or you feel like I'm not doing that enough, you need to tell me. You need to start praying for me.
Amen. Pray for me. Pray about that. In verse 7, and he called the name of the place Masa and Meribah, and that, that's to try and attempt, and that's contention, because of the chiding of the children of Israel, and because they tempted the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us or not? Now, verse 8. Now, this is for y'all. That was kind of a, that, that little piece I gave y'all, that was for pastors. I know a lot of y'all go, I'm never going to be a pastor, but that helps you to know my side of the story. Now, this is for your side of the story. And this is also for me, because I've been on that side of the fence, verse 8. Then came Amalek and fought with Israel in Rephidim. Amalek, they're coming out and they're, they're minding their own business and here comes this army, the Amalek comes down. Guys, they're going to fight with Israel. Amalek, guys, is your flesh. It's you. It's your flesh. It's a type of the flesh. It's going to come down and fight with you. You got to watch your flesh. You got to watch what you're doing with your flesh. You can't let the flesh win the battles. Your flesh gets enough of you, you'll steal the money out of somebody's purse. You let your flesh get enough of you, you'll do something you'll regret for the rest of your life. You got to keep your flesh, got to keep it down. It's going to fight with you. Every church battles this. Every church battles the flesh. Because, guys, as much as the Holy Spirit is moving in a place, it's still full of wicked sinners. And we all know we're wicked sinners. And we all know if you let our flesh get away with it, it'll get away with anything. Amen. Guys, I know y'all wouldn't ever admit to this. A lot of y'all are too sweet and nice to admit to this. But there's a lot of y'all that would be murderers if you knew you could get away with it. A lot of y'all would be adulterers if you knew you could get away with it. Your flesh is so strong that if you knew there was no way, anybody could ever find, about, find out about it, there's people that you would literally kill. You say, not today, yesterday, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, maybe tomorrow. You've got to watch your flesh. You have three enemies. Your first enemy is the devil. Your second enemy is the world. And the third enemy you have, the worst enemy you have, is yourself. You're your worst enemy. I think about all the times in my life I could have done something great for God. All the things I could have done so great for God, and I look back on it, you know what the problem was? Me. My flesh. I think back to all the bad, awful, horrible things I've done in my life. You know who the blame is? Me. It wasn't because of my upbringing. It wasn't because I didn't have a good dad. It's because of Keegan Hall. My worst enemy is me. Your worst enemy is you. It's the flesh. It's Amalek. Then came Amalek and fought with Israel and Rephidim. And Moses said unto Joshua, Choose us out men and go out, fight with Amalek. Guys, you know what Joshua is? That's the Hebrew way of saying Jesus. Joshua is Jehovah saves. Jesus is Jehovah saves. It's so strong that in the book of Acts, they replace the word, the name Joshua with Jesus in your King James Bible. When you say Joshua, that's like the Hebrew way of saying Jesus. Greek is Jesus. Hebrew is Joshua. Who's going to fight this battle for Moses and the people? Joshua. Jesus. Jesus does our battles. Jesus is the one that fights 
for Indian Gap Baptist Church. Jesus is the one that fights for this pastor. Jesus is the one that fights for each and every one of you. He's the one that fights. And it says there, and Moses said to Joshua, choose us out men. Jesus has his men. The seminary didn't pick them out. The university didn't pick them out. They didn't pick themselves out. Jesus calls them out. And the problem with the churches today is we've got a bunch of men behind the pulpit that are not called by Jesus Christ, that are using this pulpit as a business, as a job, and they're wondering why God's not moving, the Holy Spirit's not moving, it's because God never called them, and God never intended them to be up there, and they're trying to do it on their own calling. Or the calling of a seminary, or the calling of a university. You know what is, you know what is amazing to me? Is that, you know how much God thinks about Hamilton County? That he sent two trash men to be pastors in Hamilton County. What does that say about Hamilton County? Now, y'all can laugh at that. Y'all don't be so serious. But it's true. I'm a trash man, and Chad Long is a trash man. Two guys that are using the King James Bible, that are preaching the Word of God. Brother Chad's trying to do all he can for the Word of God. Brother Chad's a trash man, has his own trash service. I work for the city of Brownwood and pick up trash. What does that say that God thinks about Hamilton County since two trash men? There was a Catholic school and they had a cafeteria and one of the nuns, they had a bunch of apples there and they were going through the cafeteria and one of the nuns put a little note there said, only take one apple, God is watching you. And as they went down the, when as they went down the service line, there was another big old pile of cookies and one of the kids put a little note on there that says, take all you want because God's watching the apples. <laughs> Amen. Amen. So I got to get y'all to laughing because y'all are getting so serious out there. Hey, Amalek's fighting us. The flesh is fighting us. Your flesh is fighting this thing working. Verse 9, And Moses said unto Joshua, Choose us out, men, and go out to fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. So Joshua, Jesus, did as Moses had said to him and fought with Amalek. And Moses and Aaron and Hur went up to the top of the hill. You know what's happening there? Jesus is fighting your battles and will, wants to fight your battles. And you need to get up on top of the hill and get out of his way. We talked about this in Sunday school. If you're having a problem with some kind of sin in your life, you need to stop trying to fight that sin and say, Lord, I can't win it. It's been obvious. I've been fighting this sin for maybe decades. But Lord, with your help, with your strength, I can win this battle. Fight the fight for me, Lord Jesus Christ. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and fight the fight for me. John the Baptist said, Jesus Christ must increase and I must decrease. What does he mean? He means you just put Jesus Christ, you keep increasing Jesus Christ in your life and automatically you, your flesh, Amalek, will decrease and get less strong. You let Jesus fight that fight. Verse 11, And it came to pass when Moses held up his hand, that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. So Moses is up on the hill and they're fighting this fight down in the valley. And they're trying to win against Amalek. But every time Moses can keep his hand held up, they win the battle. But when they, he lets his hand start falling down, they start losing the battle. You know what that's a type of? Prayer. Prayer. 
holding your holy hands up in prayer. It's your job and duty to be praying and praying. Lord, win my battle. Lord, give some strength to my preacher. Lord, give some strength to my fellow brother and sister in Christ. We should be praying for each other, praying for the church, praying for the missionaries, praying for everybody that's associated with this thing. Hey, this is a battle. We need reinforcements. Pray for reinforcements. Pray for God to get the victory. Pray for Jesus Christ to get the glory. You've got to pray for these things. But when we stop praying, when the hands start coming down, when the pastor's not praying like he should be praying, this thing starts falling apart. So how do you know that, Brother Keegan? Because I've lived it. When I'm not right with the Lord, and I'm not, I'm not praying to God like I should be praying, and I'm just sending up these simple little prayers, and they're not powerful, they're not in righteousness, they're not like God wants me to pray, I can see this thing start falling apart. Hello, this is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church. Are you sick and tired of this world? Are you sick and tired of this life that you're living? Did you know that God has a free gift for you? It's the gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ. Have you ever received this gift? You know, a gift can be offered but not received. You can bow your head and ask Jesus right now to save you and give you his free gift of eternal life. Now, you might ask, how do I know he'll give me this free gift? Because I did the same thing because I bowed my head knowing I'm a sinner and asked him to save me, and he did. And I've never been the same. And this life with Jesus is a thousand times better than anything this world can offer me. Now, we would love to hear from you if you want to contact us at IndianGapBaptist.com. Until next time. Casting all your care upon him.